This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Ladies and gentlemen, the Hardwood Knox show is back. It's been a long time since you've heard from us. Uh, I assume you've missed us every much, every bit as much as we have missed you. Uh, but we're back and ready to talk about the finals. Uh, a lot has happened, obviously, since the last time we recorded. Today, it's just me, Andrew Bailey, and Dan Favale with you. Uh, Adam Frommel is on his honeymoon, so we, we didn't want to disturb him there. I, he was dying to podcast from his honeymoon, but we, we convinced him not to. How are you doing, Dan? Doing well, Bales. It's good to be back. How are you doing? Good. Um, how are the Cavs doing? Oh, no comment. <laughs> Actually, I have lots of comments. I'm, well, let's I'm dig like, into these first two games. So my thing before the two games is I pick Warriors. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $2084 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. In six, and I really wanted to pick Cavaliers in five, but I didn't oh. want to disrespect LeBron. <laughs> And now, oh, I mean the Warriors. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's quite a swing. (laughs) I didn't want to like disrespect LeBron. And now I'm watching this and I was talking to someone who picked the Cavaliers in five today. And they're like, I feel like I, excuse me, the Warriors in five. They said they feel like they disrespected the Warriors still by picking them in five. It's crazy. I, I picked them in six too. And I, I actually thought just kind of given the way the playoffs had gone, that the Warriors might come out a little bit, um, a little slow, a little sloppy in the first game, and I thought Cleveland might steal one, and then they would just make their adjustments and and run away from there. Um, but this is like this is as good as the Warriors have looked all season, and 
Thompson and Curry <laughs> haven't even clicked in yet. It's crazy. Like, it, it's really hard to imagine the Cavaliers bouncing back when when the Warriors haven't even clicked all the way in, it seems like. Right. And I think Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson started to get going a little bit in game two, but you didn't, like, I, who was in foul trouble? Was it Curry or was it, or it was Clay was in foul, foul trouble? Um, and Clay got in foul trouble in game one, I think. Um, but like they didn't need them to get going. I think they combined for less than 30 shots, which is kind of unusual um, for them. Just looking at the way these two teams are playing right now, you it makes you really appreciate the Thunder. Like yeah. I, I know there's probably something that clicked with the Warriors, but like Game One didn't even see Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson even close to their best, and yet the Thunder really disrupted the Warriors through those first five or six games of the series and it makes you appreciate how good they really are the western conference finals was basically the nba finals we thought it was going to be that way with the spurs but it was that way with the thunder as well this is like this has become sort of an interesting side story to me all season people argued with me that the eastern conference had caught up and they would cite stuff like oh the eighth seed in the east had more wins than the eighth seed in the west um but doesn't (laughs) Doesn't the last couple of weeks confirm that the West is still leaps and bounds better than the East? Like, are are you certain that Cleveland could even beat a healthy Clippers team? No, I'm not certain. They probably would, but I don't think it's a certainty. The the thing was is that the East might be deeper now than the than the West, but the West topmost part is far deeper than the East upper echelon, which really right now only includes the Cavaliers. Cleveland, yeah, that's it. That that's the issue, and you know, citing the eight seed stuff is is stupid. The only thing I guess it really does the East being deeper is that it would screw up. Like the, it really wouldn't do much, I guess, for the matchups. When if you ranked all sixteen teams, like I know everyone just wants the best sixteen to make the playoffs, but it's not like you know there were no crazy upsets this year where you were like that uh, bracket would have be- would have benefited anything. And when you look at the lower half of the East, you know, does even ranking the best 16 teams at this point, it wouldn't do much. I think the the top part of the West is just that good. Well, I, I think the only thing that the top 16 seeding would have changed is maybe the finals is two teams from the West. Right. Who, so there's that. And that's, that, that's more competitive. I just, uh, yeah, that's right. It, you're, it, you're right on that point. I, I guess it's just, I couldn't envision even when the Warriors were down 3-1, to one, I just couldn't envision a team beating them. But I do think the disparity in the West is, is probably an issue. I, both the Spurs or the Thunder, as they already did, would have put up a much better fight than the Cavaliers right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought they were dead at 3-1. to one. And um, another thing that I've kind of been thinking of over the last couple of weeks since that comeback started against the Thunder... They started dropping games in the playoffs, and I, I felt like there was rumblings on Twitter and in columns and stuff like that, that now that they've lost a few playoff games, they can't match the 95-96 Bulls. Um, I feel like that comeback against the Thunder and what they're doing right now against the Cavaliers should absolutely put them back into that conversation, if they ever were out of it. And for me, they were never out of it. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, they they were never out of it for me either, but I think you're right there. If you that that three to one deficit against a team like the Thunder that was clearly good enough to beat the Warriors at least at points, and then what if they run off a sweep in the NBA finals yeah. over the Cavaliers who still have, you know, a GOAT candidate in LeBron James, 
they are the best team in NBA history to me. They're going to win the finals. They're going to do so decidedly. Um, I just don't know how you look at them now and are like they're not the best team in NBA history. The only things you really have to point to aside, I guess, from those playoff losses is they were clearly coasting at points during the regular season, especially down the stretch. And then they decided to turn it on and just win 73 games when, when that was even in jeopardy. I think it's pretty crazy, too, that I think everyone would acknowledge that they coasted a lot and they still won 73. Like, that just says so much about the talent level and the chemistry and just how perfectly this roster was built. I'm curious. that The first game they lost this season, was that to... It was, it was Milwaukee, to the Bucks, yeah. But it was after that Celtics game um, where it went into, like, an overtime or two. I'm curious to know if they even lose that early if you had Harrison Barnes like wasn't he out yeah, at the time probably not maybe beating the Celtics isn't as hard with him and then you just go into Milwaukee and <laughs> roll them there was I remember there was a moment in the middle of the season where I we were doing an episode and I think we were looking over their schedule and it was like whoa they might get to like Christmas without right. a loss like it was it was insane every team you saw on the the schedule looked like a win for the Warriors um so they're definitely that team. <laughs> Again, uh, what I, this what what has been the key for them in this first two games? Obviously, Curry and Thompson have been out. So what what has allowed them to um, thrive anyway? I mean, their depth is just incredible. I mean, first of all, their defense has been shocking. I, I think we've probably underrated it all year because statistically, it wasn't as good as two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. But the way they really started defending on Cleveland and uh, for a team like this is the worst matchup for Cleveland because they're so used to collapsing defenses and just throwing these driving kicks. They don't seem to run a ton of off-ball motion, but the Warriors don't collapse on anybody. They, they rotate, they switch, they, they wall you off with one person, and that's really disrupted the Cavaliers' offensive flow. It's prompted Kyrie Irving to deviate from the game plan like crazy. And then you just look, it seems like they're able to get to the paint and to the rim at will. They didn't even shoot well from three in game one, and they obliterated the Cavaliers anyway. It's so, to me still, and I probably shouldn't be surprised, it's so incredibly scary how this team will beat you playing its own style, it'll beat you playing your own style, it'll beat you in any way imaginable. I think that's the brilliance of the way they put this roster together, is they had pieces that could go in so many different directions you can play big with Bogut or Azili um Draymond can play like a traditional big power forward at the same time he can play like a small forward or a point guard um and then the thing that's really interesting and you talked about it is that ability to switch everything when you have um geez how many like six seven six eight athletic defenders do they have Sean Livingston Draymond Green Clay Thompson Andre Iguodala um, five, six, maybe around there. It's insane that they have all these different guys that can switch around the perimeter. And like you said, that's not something that Cleveland's used to. Um, it also, to me, is like you also mentioned how there was driving lanes that were just like wide open. That was something that really stood out to me in game one. A couple weeks ago against the Thunder, the Warriors would try to move the ball around or they would try and drive through some of those lanes. And then all of a sudden there's like a seven-foot Kevin Durant <laughs> clogging up a passing lane or sliding that? over Steven Adams, all those guys. And now against the Cavaliers, it's like broad street. They, I mean, they can just swing it once and there's a wide open driving line. It's, it's crazy the difference between the Thunder and the Cavaliers. 
that what you just said made me think. I haven't looked at the numbers. This might have been maybe even specific to the Western Conference Finals. That sample size had to be the best defensive stretch of Kevin Durant's career. He was he was just amazing. An animal. He yeah. was phenomenal. And those um, two big guys too, Stephen Adams and Serge Ibaka along the perimeter, like when they would switch on to ball handlers, and Curry hit some ridiculous shots over those guys. Um, but for the most part, that I was that was incredible the way the Thunder defense looked. And by comparison to Cleveland, it's it's night and day. This is I, I think someone who uh, one of our colleagues Grant Hughes just wrote today that the finals has been like an uncontested layup for the Warriors. And that's that's a good way actually. To put it. It's literal, just when you look at the way they're <laughs> scoring. But so I guess to this point, do you see anything that the Cavaliers could do to get back in this series? I I would lean towards no, but I I, I think there are things they can do. I just don't think they'll work. Um, it has to be no. And is yeah. there? When's the last time you really said that about an NBA Finals matchup? Even when LeBron's Cavs got swept by the Spurs, like was it ever really one of those things where it's like? It didn't feel like this. I don't think I've ever had it feel this inevitable before. Um, but I, so here's what I would do. This is at least what I would try. I don't, I'm not sure it would work. Um, Trying. <laughs> yeah, they should start with that, first of all. Uh, but it, it felt like to me, as someone who watched uh, the Jazz a lot, and believe it or not, they actually played Golden State close twice at home. Um, and the way they did it, is by staying big and trying to slow it down. And, and they were able to sort of, um, everybody says muck up the game, but not, I'm just going to go ahead and say it too. You got to muck up the game. You can't let them get out in transition. And I think they can do that with Thompson and Fry. Um, Fry is obviously no Rudy Gobert, but it's the best option that they have probably. You can try Mozgov, but he just did not look ready in his no, little no. stint in game two. Um, and people think I'm crazy for this, but I would play Della Vadova more because Kyrie Irving has been a disaster. And with Della Vadova, at least you'll get somebody who's going to compete on defense. Well, yeah, the thing with Kyrie is like if he's not scoring for you, and it's the same way with Kevin Love, they literally have no value. That's it. Like yeah. Ky- Kyrie Irving isn't this exceptional playmaker. He'll make some passes, but again, when – when the defense isn't collapsing, he's not going to be the guy to thread the needle or, or hit these tough angles. Did you see that stat? I think it was Mark Stein from ESPN tweeted it the other day that oh, yeah. uh, of all of LeBron's field goals in the finals, only one has come off of a pass from Kyrie. And then there's all these other stats floating around about, um, I think I heard Brian Windhorst on Zach Lowe's podcast today said he was shooting like 20% um, on isolations in this series. And he continues to just sort of bang his head against that wall. I, I right. think it's just who he is. Exactly. And there, there are probably some matchups where he could keep knocking on that door and it's going to open, but this isn't one of them. It's yeah. just not even close. Um, I'm kind of with you on the quote-unquote adjustments they could make to try and help this. I'd also like to see, though, I'm a fan of playing Della Vadova more, but maybe, and I know they tried this in game two for a hot minute, you stick LeBron at the five, but don't keep Kyrie Irving on the floor. Just flush out that lineup with uh, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, Delhi, and I guess Richard Jefferson just to see how it goes. Like Richard Jefferson's a defensive upgrade over Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Amazing, but true. 250-year-old <laughs> Richard Jefferson is a defensive upgrade over Kyrie Irving. Amazing. And yeah, I guess, so your idea there would just be 
let LeBron that's, work and surround him on all the shooters on the perimeter? I because I think and I think you're would, talking more about defense too. But go ahead. Right, because well, going big, I guess, is fine. But the Warriors eventually like destroyed that model from Cleveland in last year's finals. Like the Jazz yeah. did it well this year, and I think it's something that works. Like in those quick one you game, have two the right players samples. for it too. Right, but I feel like it's something that's not going to be sustainable. So just to have a different look, go big, but then try out that crazy small lineup if it's not working on the Warriors. The scarier thing for me, though, is, is that Cleveland's best chance to win a game in this series might have been game one when Curry and Thompson were so yeah. off. That they got blown out by Golden State's role players. It's crazy. You, I can't remember who said it, but it was like, if you saw Curry and Thompson's combined field goals from that game, and you saw that Cleveland didn't win, you'd think the series was over because you they have to take advantage of that. Or you would have at least thought the game was like close. Yeah. <laughs> the Cavaliers chipped into it a little like in the third quarter, I think they grabbed the lead, and then they chipped into it. They made it almost interesting down the stretch. But then it was just like Yeah. So yeah. If it, you can't take advantage of those rare nights when those two aren't shooting well, that that's it. You don't have a chance. Now so let's so now let's revise our NBA Finals predictions. <laughs> what do you have now? Well, like I said, I originally went six, and there is a big part of me that's like, say sweep, say sweep. <laughs> but I, I think I'm going to play it safe and say five. Like, there's got to be enough energy in those guys and enough pride to win at least one game, right? Yeah, and if they're gonna win a game, though, they're not it's game winning. Three, it, I it's think. not going to game. It's not going to game six. Like no, if I don't get, think so either. It's not going to game six. If they're gonna win, it has to be game three because That's you're think too. you're not gonna respond to a three zero coffin. I would probably say five now just to be safe. But at this point, it's like screw being safe. I would say Warriors in four. They're, Cleveland has done nothing. <laughs> but is their best bet at this point? Hopefully, to catch the Warriors off guard by playing some actual good defense because Kevin Love can't play or they don't play Kyrie Irving as much. Like, maybe maybe the Cavs get hot at home. But, like, game three, <laughs> like, that's the game. I don't know. I'm going Warriors in four now just to be, like, a bold prick, I guess. But uh, I don't blame you. I, I, there's a big part of me that wants to, too, like you said. And I would, I'm, part of them not being able to shoot the way that they have, too, is the Warriors' defense. And we've talked about it already. Those long-rangey guys being able to switch picks around the outside – and they don't have those open catch and shoots like they did against Eastern teams. I would say it's mostly, I would say it's mostly Golden State. You could probably yeah. argue that Kyrie Irving has missed a lot of shots he normally hits, but it, has there been anyone else really? Uh, Kevin Love's been shooting terrible inside, at like eight or five feet of the hoop, but it's definitely mostly. Jared Smith can't it. even get a shot. Like how crazy is that? Golden State's <laughs> off-ball defense is crazy. It's amazing. Like, it's it's almost like it seems like when LeBron's committing his turnovers. I mean, I know he was sort of bemoaning his own turnovers after game two, but it's just because he expects these guys to be open, and they're just they're not. not. Yeah. One thing that's really cool when I watch the Warriors is to just watch that off-ball stuff. And if you see, like, how seamlessly they communicate and handle those switches, it's amazing. Like, they'll find a split second off the ball when somebody's doing some action out there, and you can see them pointing and talking to each other, and they get back to the better matchup for their guy. Like... Yes, those guys can switch on to bigger dudes, but they're smart enough to know I don't want to stay here for the rest of the rest of the possession. And they've been playing right. with each other long enough that they know, like, okay, this is exactly when I can get back. They have like a they have like a telepathy between each other uh, to make these perfectly timed switches off the ball, 
and it's it's just incredible. There's there's it's hard to imagine Cleveland having any answer for that. This is the perfect series to watch that too because Cleveland isn't doing like anything with the ball that you want to watch. At yeah. the moment. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, you see Kyrie dribbling 15 seconds off the shot clock and taking contested 17-footer or something. That's a pretty good segue into the, I guess, the big elephant in Cleveland's room now is if you lose this in four or five as expected, does the big three, as currently concocted, come back? Um, no, I don't think so. Then I, who, who <laughs> do you trade? I have been very firmly... Um, I've been very firmly behind Kyrie Irving being the one who needs to be moved. If you're going to pick one of those two, Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love, I think there's a good chance they get rid of both of them, honestly. Um, That's what I was about to ask. Do you get rid of both? Because I fall into the Kyrie Irving camp because you could probably get more for him. It's not like he makes too much less than Kevin Love where you can't take back as much as in return. Um, but... Maybe that's the way to go. You do, you definitely don't want to hit reset to that degree with LeBron's prime, like on its fringes. You have to imagine, but that's, yeah, that's one of the problems with hitting with trading both of these guys is LeBron's already in his thirties, and so like trading these guys for young assets or draft picks or anything that that it doesn't, doesn't work doesn't help them at all. Like they they are in win now mode. Um, LeBron's return, LeBron's letter in Sports Illustrated. All that stuff, um, that necessitated them to be in, in win-now mode. So I don't – it's hard to know exactly what they can get. Um, but I actually put it out on Twitter to see what some um, followers think about this idea. And I, I basically said, if it's a quick series, what kind of trades would you like to see Cleveland uh, make? And I think we should just go through a few of these. Are, have you seen any for Kyrie Irving, though? Because I have not. I'm, I'm seeing a couple, actually. Oh, are you? Yeah. And this, I'll, I'll start with this one because this is one I've talked about as far back as like three or four months ago. Um, it's the Kyrie for CP3 trade. And I get, I get the problems on both sides with that, but I still like it. Um, and I can explain why, but I want to hear what you think about it first. You're getting an upgrade, like for you're just getting an upgrade. It's not for as long because Kyrie Irving is still so young. But yeah. Chris Paul's a better playmaker. If you're going to keep Kevin Love, it, it's like you said before the podcast. If you're going to keep Kevin Love, now all of a sudden you have two pass first guys in LeBron and CP3 that he could play off of. I think even if he doesn't get his post ups or his face ups, he'll be totally fine just spotting up because he's going to get like 25 spot up attempts He'd be a game. Way happier. And CP3 is clearly a defensive upgrade over Kyrie Irving. So maybe that makes life easier for the Cavaliers on defense in the sense that he can help you cover up for love because you won't have to switch as much. But I'm wondering, you're shortening your title window substantially. Like you're tethering it to LeBron and just saying like, there's no way that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love could ever be the foundation of a good team without LeBron, which is always dangerous. And I guess the lingering question was, I think it's easier to cover up for a bad defensive point guard than it is a bad defensive big man. So you still have the issue of how do you cover up for Kevin Love? Yeah, they would have to find a rim protector somehow. And I don't, I don't know if 
given what they have available in terms of cap space, they might not be able to get anybody too great on that front. Um, I agree with everything you said about CP3 in Cleveland, and I think it is a big upgrade for them in the short term. Um, so why do you – is there any chance the Clippers would do that? I wouldn't put anything past Doc Rivers. He really seems like he wants to keep Blake Griffin. And if you're not going to trade Blake Griffin to sort of um, get more players in, this would be a good way of extending the current cores window because DeAndre Jordan has morphed into a legitimate defensive anchor. If you can surround Irving with a little bit more perimeter defenders – You've, in a sense, lengthened your title window, because, especially because Chris Paul can be a free agent in 2017, as Ken Griffin. There's just so much uncertainty there that you could justify doing it, but you're still not going to have flexibility. The trade by itself doesn't even work. Like The Cavaliers have to yeah, give they up. they have to add something else. And who do, who do you I've, add? I, I've seen, in fact, one of the responses was Kyrie and Shumpert for CP3, and I don't know if... I don't know if Shumpert has any value at this point. He would just be filler. Right, and that's three years worth of filler. That, for- yeah, but I, I thought that too, but his contract under the new cap is going to be pretty small. It's like $8 million a year. Right, well, and also he's an upgrade. If you can stash him at small forward, he's an upgrade over Jeff Green. Like it just makes yeah. it a little bit. If he, can, he never really like found his form from the last couple years this season, so maybe if he could rediscover that in L.A., that would help. Um he was but shooting I, well from three up until the Western uh, up until the NBA Finals, I think, too. Yeah, I think there's still definitely something there with him. Um, Does it help the Clippers enough, though? That's what I was going to say. It's uh, my only reasoning for it is basically what you were saying. How it kind of it maybe lengthens their title window a little bit. Um, I use the phrase kind of resets their timeline because it, it's that's better because you're not sure. I'm not sure they would have a title window with this group. Yeah. Um, this group, and granted, they've had a lot of injuries with the Clippers, and they can they can argue to themselves that they've never really had a fair shake in the playoffs because of that stuff. But it's hard to imagine, even if they're all healthy, that group breaking through. And they've had it, what, for four or five years? At exactly. Some, at some point, it might be time for a shakeup. And if you can get a talented point guard who can score as well as Kyrie Irving can and maybe you you think that Doc can maybe help him with some of his defensive shortcomings um it's a I, I think it's a swing for the fences for the Clippers I I do but I there is a way they can justify it and it gives them something to rebuild around if Griffin does leave in 2017 because one even if CP3 came back if Griffin left which would probably be unlikely he's still over 30 at that yeah. point Kyrie Irving's not even 25 yet so Sort of in a way, that's your building block, and maybe it's not perfect, but it might be it's better more than ideal. Nothing. Yeah, and it's like you—that was a good point with Doc. I I do think he's probably helped DeAndre Jordan a bunch. Maybe he could help Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is also going to be cheaper for the next four years or three years. I, mean, I think he has a player option or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's locked in under the old cap, which is right. nice. So he can't become a free agent. He has a player option for 2019, 2020. So you have three seasons of what under the new cap looks like a cost-controlled asset yeah. where you can maybe add someone else. I But again, then you're bringing in Shumpert, so you're hamstringing yourself further. It's just so tough. If Shumpert wasn't involved in that deal, it might look a little bit better because it gives you more freedom to do other stuff. But I do think you can make a case now. I don't think you could have 
a couple years ago when people were talking about it because you were betting entirely too much on Kyrie's upside, and he does seem to have peaked. And CP3 just wasn't old enough by that point. He was an MVP candidate still. Yeah, I think if it's ever going to happen, it it would be this now. Summer. Yeah. Um. So I got another could, one. Go ahead. You could still swing a trade. Then the mellow mellow would be in Cleveland. Like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Love would probably be gone, right? Like would would, would mellow be team part banana of that boat? Trade? Yeah. So. Well, that was so when I first started talking about it, like whatever it was ago, that was the joke. It was like right after that Howard Beck piece came out and um, it was like, I, I just cooked up a three team trade on the trade machine and it was Kevin Love going to New York for Mello too. And you instantly get three of those four guys that LeBron talked about having on the same team. Right. And your title window was so, it's just so pigeonholed, which I'm, I'm always leery of, especially because the Warriors exist, which I think is the other part of all this. What's the point? of really pushing the bill to win now when the Warriors exist. I guess you can argue that the Cavaliers are on the same tier as the Thunder and the Spurs. But, like, if you're the Cavaliers trading away two younger pieces or even one of them, Love or Irving, just to appease James, I get it and I don't get it. LeBron is still phenomenal, but how much longer is LeBron going to be phenomenal? And that's so it's a risk for them because I don't see – there's no – move in my mind where you turn you divest these two assets or even one of these assets into a combination of players that makes you that much better equipped to beat the Warriors so here's my answer to that and I I think general managers for the most part think in terms of future and they have these like five-year plans they know which free agents they're going to chase in like 2020 um Interesting. But LeBron James doesn't think that way. <laughs> and I think he is the one making these decisions. I, I mean, you you said to appease LeBron. I think there's a lot of times he's he's flat out the GM there. And maybe that's maybe that's just me being a like a crazy <laughs> analyst, I mean, but that wouldn't surprise me. And and that's my question. Like, does he think about these things in the same way that a general manager would, or does he just think I like Chris Paul? And I like Carmelo Anthony. I think they're really good, and I want to play with these guys. And I think that all of us together would beat the Warriors. He has a player's mentality where he, like, I don't think he sees he's it the way that you for did. The future. Exactly. That's the thing is he's not going to plan for the future. He's going to plan. He's going to plan for his title window now, which as a player is what you should do. And if the Cavaliers are going to give him carte blanche, that's on them. Like, yeah. that, you know, you've made that decision to where. Our title window will be open for as long as LeBron James is here. Then it will close, and we'll have to reopen it again. Yeah. I think is- in his mind, he like, and I don't blame him for thinking this way. He's maybe the best, like, most talented player ever. I think he thinks if he had the right guys with him, he's better than the Warriors. My problem with this is he essentially handpicked this team, though. Oh, I know. Like, but now he's so, got <laughs> so the he writings on the wall players, with this one. He can't use this player's excuse because he came back. Um, to play with Kyrie Irving. Like, you don't come back to the Cavs if you don't want to play with Kyrie Irving. Uh, He's the reason that Andrew Wiggins got traded for Kevin Love. So, like, he doesn't really have that to lay his hat on. And Maybe he's just fickle, though. Like, six months after he makes that Kevin Love trade, you can see that maybe he thinks, oh, man, (laughs) I'm not sure we did the right thing here. I I thought this was going to be a phenomenal partnership. I I thought Kevin Love was a better fit. So did I. I I loved it. I thought Kemlo was a better fit for LeBron than Bosch. Mm-hmm. I thought there was the chance that Irving was a better fit for LeBron than Wade. 
definitely underestimated the defensive impact. That's yeah, for sure. Same here. Now that uh, since you mentioned that, um, I actually wanted to bring something up. I, this is some research I did the other day during the blowout. Uh, I had, <laughs> the game was not interesting enough to keep me locked in. Um, but it's pretty interesting if you isolate some of these lineups that Cleveland has. The Kevin Love stuff works. Um, I just have to find it on my timeline here. Give me one second. Okay. So, and, and my overall point in this is that maybe Kyrie Irving is the problem. And so maybe it's a good thing we started with his trade idea. But, uh, so when James Love and Irving, and this is all from NBA Wowie, which is a cool site. Um, when James Love and Irving are on the floor, the, the Cavs have a net rating of plus 7.3, which is solid. Uh, when it's Love and James without Irving, it's plus 16.2. And when it's Love and Irving without James, it's minus 2.1. And I don't have the third combo on there, but it's like plus 1.5 or something like that. <laughs> so with just LeBron and Love, it works. It would probably work even more if Irving was just a better playmaker. Like I guess, I guess maybe that's why is Love gets to be that number two option, and if Kyrie Irving was more of that pass-first point guard, maybe it would work yes. even better. I'm curious to know, though, what the defensive situation is because the, the Cavaliers, as long as LeBron is on the floor, will find a way to score points, whether it's Irving or Love, let alone both. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Um, I'm looking at it right now. It was and NBA Wowie's ratings are a little bit different than NBA.com, but they're right. They're within a couple points of each other usually. So, the the Cavs are when they have Kevin Love and LeBron, but no Kyrie, are scoring 117.7 points per 100 possessions, which is incredible. Their defense is allowing 101.7 points per 100 possessions. Which is like so, middle of the pack. Right. It might have been closer to the top this year, actually, because I think everybody kind of took a step back this year. Um, I actually, yeah, I think you were right. So I'll look at maybe, that now. Maybe like top, I don't know, 12 or something. It would definitely, it would have been in the top 10, I think. So I'm just like, I wonder who was around them. But then if you can, if you can feel the good defense with Kevin Love, like even an above average defense, then yeah, he would be the one to to keep just because he makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, well, and by I the think way, it I would have rank. to be Delhi out there if Kyrie's off the floor. So just look at it in the terms of Love and LeBron with a defensive point guard. Who is that? You have to get that defensive point. I guess. Well, Chris, that's Chris, so Chris Paul. Paul. So Chris <laughs> Paul, LeBron James, and Kevin Love have a better chance of beating the Warriors than Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and LeBron James. Yeah. By the way, in the that, short term, that defensive rating would have ranked eighth in the league. So, yeah, so they would have had like an otherworldly offense and a top ten defense. I mean, you do that trade for Chris Paul. The issue is that trade probably isn't available. That, yeah. That's like super pipe dreamy. And the and when I was playing around with this yesterday, Cleveland doesn't really have anything to sweeten it. No, Amon like, Shumpert would be your best bet, and you Shumpert's can sell. Shumpert's just filler, and then right. like they have no assets in terms of like young, promising players or draft picks. Right. So what is 
So it could be moot. <laughs> the other thing is, is that the Cavaliers, that might be the time where they put their foot down to LeBron. Like, this is the, this guy's under 25. Yeah. We need somebody after you leave. At some point, you would think somebody in that front office would take a stand. And maybe they have. It's pro- I, I don't know the inner workings of the Cavs, obviously. So maybe it's right. not it fair seems for like, me to... It seems like Tyron Lue and David Griffin kind of put their foot down after David Blatt yeah. left a little bit, from what I've read. Um. I'm going to see if I can find a couple of more of these trades. Uh, there was the Boston one that I've heard floated around too. Um, Kevin Love for Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, and possibly the first. I don't. I don't think they're going to get the first if they get both of those guys. But. If, the, if the Celtics did that trade, they would be. I'm not doing it, honestly. Even though uh, does it even work financially? No. So it's not even going to work financially. Over Crowder the Crowder and Bradley doesn't. It oh, over the off season it will once the Celtics have cap Opens space to absorb. Okay, but I wouldn't even give up Bradley and Crowder. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, does that really make Boston better? I, like what? Um, are, what? What? What would be their lineup at that point? Their starting lineup. So Kevin Love, do you use him as center or power forward? I guess you have. You have you to. You can't bring play back- Kevin Love next to Jared Sullinger or Kelly Olynyk, right? You and you have to bring back Evan Turner. Yeah. At that point. So you would start Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, Evan Turner, Kevin Love, and Kelly Olenek or Amir Johnson. You can use Olenek next to Love in the sense that Olenek's actually an okay rim protector. He would be like, okay. I, I think he's, he's better than Fry. I've never really checked I, his numbers. I think he's actually behind Crowder as Boston's best two-way player. That's not going to help him. He's not going to match up well against like guys who could put the ball on the floor like Draymond Green, but... Is that that lineup doesn't intrigue me? I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if that pushes the needle any further than what they've already got. It would be easy if the Celtics can get away with just packaging the like. I'm not even sure Kevin Love is worth the number three pick at this point. But for a team like them, if you can get away with packaging him or that number three pick along with a couple of other firsts and maybe something like Terry Rozier and James Young, and you can send that stuff to a third team that would be looking to rebuild. And then they'll send the Cavaliers a proven piece, and then the Cavs send you Kevin Love. That makes sense because you can. What I'm trying to say is, if you have Crowder, Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, Turner, and, and Kevin Love, and Marcus Smart, and all these guys, you can make. If he's at center and you keep your perimeter defense intact, you can make it work. Like Turner, a combination of Turner, Smart, Bradley, and Crowder will cover up enough for Kevin Love on the interior. That's the Celtics true. played Jared Sullinger at center this year. Yeah, for crying out loud. So they can, <laughs> and they had a pass. Like they had a pretty good defense too. Yeah, with was, those guys out there. So, and the only team that I could imagine that'll be willing to enter that phase or willing to send that asset that could help the Cavs would be maybe the Knicks and Carmelo. And so you give all those young pieces to the Knicks, right? Whatever you have, the Knicks might even do it for the number three pick alone. If if Carmelo Anthony's willing to go, the question though did is, they have was Chris Tapp's number three. Four. Okay. So, but does Anthony Irving and LeBron give the Cavaliers a better chance of beating the Warriors? I don't it think it so. doesn't really. I, I think you could make the case that Carmelo Anthony is a defensive upgrade at the four over Kevin Love. I yeah, think maybe he can move his feet a little bit better around the perimeter. So I think you can make that case, but. That's about it. I mean, and he'll be willing to play off the ball, so maybe he'll just shoot better and create shots more within the flow of the offense, but you're not making a great leap. 
Yeah, I don't really know if that pushes it either. I, I can't stop thinking now, though. I got to interrupt you. If the Knicks got the number three pick and suddenly you had Kristaps and Dragon Bender on your team, you could trade Rolo. I mean, I. No, I'm saying just how do you feel about that? I feel like you would just be ecstatic. It would be fun to watch. <laughs> I, I guess that forces Kristaps to play center. But like I, I don't think I don't like either one of those guys at power forward long term. So oh, I really, I love Kristaps at center. I, you don't. I think, love. You don't I think Dragon Kristaps. can play the four? No, I don't think he's. Kristaps is quicker than him, so you would have to put Porzingis. Yeah. His playmaking is better than Porzingis's. It would be fun, but like <laughs> you would need to have a ton of like perimeter defenders that yeah. the Knicks don't currently have. Is there another team? I guess moving away from the mellow theory <laughs> that could help that three-team scenario because it make getting Kevin Love can make sense for the Celtics if they don't have to give up the reasons that Kevin Love makes sense for the Celtics. Like, Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley are part of why Kevin Love could work in Boston. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I would have to look around and play around on the trade machine a little bit. Do you know of any other third teams that would work? No. I mean, and even not even just coming up with the team, but, like, the player. Yeah. Like, so I, I'm trying I don't to think of like, man, some of these, I'm, I'm looking through these trades. Some of these are terrible. <laughs> the, so someone, I think it was James Hollis brought up or someone said it to him. Middleton to the Cavaliers would be phenomenal, but that doesn't, I, would, it doesn't make yeah. sense. One, you're not flipping Kevin Love for Middleton. That would be a disaster for Milwaukee. Two, you, maybe you could get a third team involved you know, use the Celtics and have their picks and prospects be the buffer. But does Milwaukee really want to take that big of a step back? Like, it's not – Middleton isn't old. Is he even – he's 24. He's the yeah, same age as I was going to say he's under 25. So I don't know why – and if you're, if you're the Celtics, you could get – I'd probably rather get my hands on Middleton than Kevin Love at this point. He's anyway. like – he's perfect for the new NBA. He's one of those guys that can play 2, 3, and 4 and defend 2, and, 3, and 4. And he's a low usage offensive guy. He'll move the ball, and but he doesn't threes. do a lot of touches. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to. I have to tell you this one. I just saw in one of the responses. It's amazing. Dante Jones for Robert Sacri. I think that changes everything. <laughs> okay, the next one is serious though. I don't even know what I think about it, but just the names popped off the the feed, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. Kyrie for Jimmy Butler. If you're the Bulls and you really don't want to build around Butler, like maybe I think Kyrie Irving and Shumpert and do the Bulls have any crappy contracts they could maybe Well, that would mean they gotta unload Derrick Rose on somebody, right? No, he's on there for a year. You could chain this, him to the bench or do what do whatever. You is don't this have his last to. year? Yeah, he's up oh, okay. in two thousand seventeen. I guess that's not as big a deal then. The, that and that backcourt would be a defensive disaster, but Derrick Rose and Kyrie Irving would be fun as hell. Yeah, Watching, if they played him together. Watching them like battle for touches and getting mad at one another would be great. And Derrick Rose is okay with passing for the most part. He's not as good as he used to be, I suppose. It would be a disaster, though. That absolutely makes Cleveland better, though, right? Butler, for sure. Oh, 100%. Like, way better. <laughs> but what, what's the lineup at that point? Delhi, Butler, LeBron, Love, and whoever, Thompson, I guess? That lineup is so, like big and kind of slow yeah but at least you have lebron and butler on the perimeter and like lebron's still a good defender when he wants to be or is um, he i don't know you go lebron 
Jr. Butler. I that was the thought that crossed my mind. Like, what if you just finally make LeBron the point guard? Yeah. Did Miami basically do that? Like Mario Chalmers and Norris Cole weren't. They could play shooting guard, unlike Della Vadova. Chalmers just kind of parked in the corner, usually. That that's probably more interesting, actually. Oh, actually, here's an interesting one: Kyrie and Shump to the Bucks for Middleton and MCW. Um. Yeah, I kind of like that. I'm I'm a mixed emotions about it with the Bucks. If their defense was still intact from 2014, 2015, that it would be fine. Yeah, um, but now what are you like? And Kyrie then Irving tra- and Greg Monroe in the same lineup. You the Greg Monroe's gone after next year anyway. Yeah, and they might try so, to move him this summer to another team. Right, um, and then it, that same tweet also says love to the Celtics for Crowder and number three pick, then sign Rondo. <laughs> okay, one. They won't have enough money to sign Rondo. Two, the Celtics aren't giving up Crowder and the number three pick for love if they're smart. No. Three, that doesn't work financially. Maybe it would, I guess, if the Celtics. Four, Rondo's not space. helping anyone anymore. Yeah, so the Kyrie and Shump to the Bucks for Middleton and MCW might work. Like if you're the Bucks, Kyrie Irving and Middleton are the same age. You need a point guard in today's NBA. Shumpert isn't going to replace. 90% or 75% of what Middleton does, but he's a start and he's cheap. Um, and and Middleton- it's like maybe that opens up more for Jabari and Ana de Kumpo, but probably not if Kyrie's there. I don't know why I said that. Because I was thinking a lot of that offense runs through Middleton. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing is if you're going to use Giannis as the point guard anyway. That was my next question because they've, they've come out and said that he's going to be the point guard next year, right? I saw yeah. it somewhere. So I, if that's the plan, that but I mean Kyrie, it would be fun to watch Giannis, Jabari, John Henson, and Kyrie in the same lineup, and then you plug Shomp in there. That would be a fun lineup. Yeah, if we can get Jason Kidd to play uh, John Henson, <laughs> that's maybe been a head scratcher it, for me for a while. Yeah, maybe you make it like a four-team monster with the Celtics. Or a three-team monster with the Celtics, and where you're—that's where you're also dumping Kevin Love and like some of Boston's assets go to. But Middleton in a vacuum, LeBron. What, what the heck would this lineup be? I guess Delhi, <laughs> Delhi. I think maybe we go Jr. Back. LeBron, Middleton, Love would be a fun starting lineup, and then yeah. just bring Tristan off the bench because you're going to lose Mozgov anyway. Yeah, that is pretty fun. I don't hate that one. I could see why the Bucks would vomit. <laughs> if they did, but I, I don't hate that idea. Um, I'm trying to th- see if there's any other uh, reasonable ones on here. There's a lot of love for Carmelo and a lot of love for Blake Griffin. Someone suggested Kyrie Irving for DeMarcus Cousins. Then you trade, what is this, Kevin Love and Timothy Mozgov, who's not under contract, so this is a move <laughs> ready, uh, for Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler. If you could still do that, I guess that wouldn't be bad. But Tyson Chandler is just old. You still have Tristan Thompson. Do you consider moving Thompson at all? I, I guess I don't, I don't know who would pick him up, though. Yeah, That's I was going to say, I probably would. I hated that contract from the day they signed it. I'm still not a fan of it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, can, you can find a lot of guys who will work hard on the offensive boards for you for less money. Um, 
Here's one that came up earlier this season, I think, and I think would make Cleveland a lot better, but I don't think the other team does it. Uh, love for Gallinari and Barton in Denver. Love for Gallinari, Barton, and Denver. To Denver. I, I don't think Denver would do that, do you? No. I'm try- How does love fit in with Kenneth Reed, Nikola Jokic, Joffrey Laverne? It, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I came up with a trade the other day that got Paul George to the Nuggets. I was pretty stoked about it, but that's off topic. So never mind. <laughs> I like, I like um, the Love-Jokic front court. Like, I think that would... I think Jokic can play center to work. Yeah, you, if you jump Kenneth Reed, then sure. But I, I think it gets back to if you're Denver, would you rather have Kevin Love or Gallinari and Barton? And Barton, who was wasn't he the leading bench scorer in the NBA this season? He should have been six. He probably should have received more DAP for six man of the year. In my yeah, he was really good. I'm not sure Denver does that. I mean, Kevin Love does. I'm I'm trying to figure out if that helps. Was Barton that good of a defender in Denver? And two, is he that, that good of a spot-up shooter? No. He's he seems a, like I a think guy he was a solid up. shooter. He was a um, solid shooter. But um, I don't know if it was spot-up or not. Gallo would work. I think Gallo helps him a lot. Right. Um, he's basically Kevin Love, but he moves quicker. Yeah. And he, he's, he, has a more, uh, he has a more diverse offensive game. He, right. He can do more things. He could play small forward, too, in a pinch. I know the Nuggets used him like that. Yeah. Uh, Barton, he's not as good a shooter as I thought. He was 34.5% from three this year. His spotter percentage is probably a little bit higher. Yeah, I would guess. I'm just on basketball reference, so I can't see that one. Um, That's a a kind of an interesting one. I just don't know. Denver maybe does that, like, (laughs) before Kevin Love goes to Cleveland. (laughs) Like, Yeah. That's the other, that's the thing is like these last two years have really messed with his trade value. They have right. And I mean, does, how many teams around the league still look at him as a superstar? How many see him as the guy that averaged like twenty five and twelve? And can he be that guy again? And he couldn't. But my problem is he couldn't. It's just so tough to imagine him like being the anchor for a contender after he wasn't even able to be the number three anchor yeah. for Cleveland. It might just be a bad roster setup. Like you need to, I think Boston would be the perfect spot for him. It's just a matter of it's the Celtics can't they can't they can't give up the guys that Cleveland would want like in a trade by itself. I see. like you. I keep coming back to I think Cleveland might be the perfect fit for him. <laughs> I think Kyrie is the problem. Where else do you send Kyrie Irving? That's though? the problem. Yeah, <laughs> is there? We probably should have looked some of these up beforehand. Is there like any any team that would be willing to part with a rim protector for Kyrie Irving? Because if you could play Kevin Love next to somebody like Tyson Chandler, like Dirk was in Dallas during their title run, I think that helps a lot. Help you get by at least. And then if your if your offense is primarily based on Love, LeBron pick and rolls. And then you just surround it with defenders and maybe a couple like three and D guys. That's maybe interesting to me. About like Kyrie for Paul Millsap. I don't know why Atlanta would do that though. Yeah, I don't got. I, they, don't I think that. they're pretty high on Schroeder. Um, I nothing springs to mind looking at these teams. Maybe we'll have to revisit this in the next episode. Because yeah, now I really want to look after Game Four when the Warriors are celebrating their title. <laughs> Now I'm really curious to see if we could like 
if we could put a real trade together. Okay, if you could do, there would have to be other framework involved. But you get older. That's the thing. What I know, if you that's, could, but I like I said, I'm not sure they care about you, that. I mean, if they don't care, what if you did something where you move Kyrie Irving in a deal to Memphis for Marcus Saul? Maybe Conley leaves. If Conley leaves, yeah, that is, that actually is interesting. And Memphis has talked about like changing the way that they play. Is Saul for Irving straight up probably would work. It does work. Um, I would think the Cavaliers would need more bat. Tony Allen and <laughs> Tony Allen. And Man, Marcus I don't Saul. even. You think you think Cleveland would need more than Gasol? How old is he? Like thirty one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like one more piece. You were saying Tony Allen. That'd be quite a coup, I think. Kyrie Irving and Shumper for Marcus Allen and Tony Allen would probably work. I'm not sure if it's. <laughs> I decreased the winning percentage of both teams with that trade. <laughs> but Tony Allen can't shoot, but the Cavaliers don't need offense. No. So how do you sell it if you're like? Why would Memphis want to do that? Just get younger and change. Starting the way they a play? rebuild. Yeah. I mean, that's only if Cunley leaves, and even then, I mean. You still have Zebo on the roster. And they've this kind of goes back to what I was saying with LA. Like they've had this same group for four or five years now, and it's this this group is not winning a title. You so maybe to, it's time to start over. Yeah, you what they really should do is fire Doc. Oh yeah, back yeah. to the Clippers. Because <laughs> if he doesn't want if he doesn't want to, you know, be the face of a rebuild, because that's why he left Boston. Yeah. Um it might take if you had a new coach or a new guy calling the shots in the front office, like president, team president wise, maybe that's something that they would propose to be like, hey, we need to wait out the Warriors' title window too. You DJ yeah. and Blake are both young enough to where they could still be in their late twenties, you know, the next three to four years. Um and hopefully we'll circle back and it's a different landscape. Irving will be in his prime then. Yeah. It's all very interesting. Um I think we're about out of time though do you have a prediction for game three um i just i'm just gonna say warriors i'd like okay. a, i could see cleveland winning do you think they're gonna win i guess you do i'm gonna uh, i don't know if i think it or not but i'm gonna say cleveland and i think it's their only win they're not we agree this isn't getting to game six no i don't think so I kind of hope I mean, it's game five i want to see the warriors win on their home floor just to watch it yeah same here it's going to have to look drastically different in game three for me to think it could go six, like drastically different. And I just, it's hard to imagine that happening. But with us being out of time and we are way out of time, <laughs> that means we need to move on to. Bacon, bacon, where's the bacon? I smell bacon, 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 gotta be bacon. Only one thing smells like bacon. That's bacon. Yes, it's the first Burns My Bacon of the Hardwood Knox Renaissance or the Hardwood Knox rebranding, even though we're not doing either of those. I'm going to talk about LeBron James's finals records, sort of stay in the territory that we've been in for the last hour. I'm, once LeBron loses this NBA Finals and drops to 2-5 and five in the championship round, the haters are going to come out. They're going to blame it on him. They're going to say, how can he be considered a greatest of all time candidate? I am so beyond counting the rings. Can we just appreciate that this dude has made six consecutive finals appearances with two different teams and has basically become the Eastern Conference? Like right now, even with LeBron over 30, he's 31, is 
Do you have LeBron? Yes. Okay, you're in the Eastern. You're in the <laughs> NBA Finals. So I'm just so amazed at that, and I appreciate that almost just as much as I would appreciate him winning every single time because he's run into some really good teams. He lost to the Spurs twice, and the Spurs are freaking crazy. And now you're running into the Warriors in consecutive years. I think the only NBA Finals that you can argue he shouldn't have lost was against the Mavericks in 2011. And that's sort of offset by the fact that they the Heat shouldn't have beaten the Spurs in 2013. Like that, if that yeah. Ray Allen shot doesn't go down, if Chris Bosh doesn't get that offensive rebound, we need to marvel at the fact he's been to the final seven times, that he's done it six times in a row. Yes, the Eastern Conference is weaker, but this still isn't an easy thing to do where you become the Eastern Conference default. So I, it's not giving him a pass. And I understand that people will look at it that way, but we have to move beyond counting the rings. This guy is the best pure basketball talent the game has ever seen. The way he adjusts his game on the fly is incredible. And just getting to the NBA Finals this many times, in my opinion, is an accomplishment. His teams around him have most of the time not been as good as his opponents. And part of that may be on him, especially now in Cleveland where he's given the ultimate freedom. But how can you look at a 2-5 and five, five, record in the finals and just disparage it completely disappointing but like it's freaking impressive i agree and i actually think he could get to like a decade straight in the nba finals like that's in play (laughs) he's gonna get at least two more opportunities yeah and i was when you were talking i was thinking about uh i was a huge braves fan when i was a kid um when you're in Wyoming, you can pick whatever team you want, Dan. I saw that face. <laughs> um, no, I think I just picked them because they were the team that was on TBS and they played other games. But anyway, um, they won, what was it, like 15 straight AL East division championships and only one World Series in that time. And I wasn't as tuned in to like baseball coverage uh, then as I am to basketball coverage now. But I don't remember as much like – um, vitriol towards that accomplishment as LeBron has for his. Right, uh, They were mostly celebrated for their longevity and their ability to get to that point year after year after year. And I think, I think that is something that LeBron deserves too. My only, so I only have like two counterpoints really. Um, That's as many rings as LeBron has. <laughs> perfect. So I agree with you that he's I, – I think he is the most talented basketball player ever. I think he even had a, like a better blank canvas than Michael Jordan did, um, as crazy as that may sound. It doesn't. Um, so it, the guy that is that, like the most naturally gifted player we've ever seen, it's reasonable to expect him to be better than two out of seven, Right. I mean, I, I right. can see why people make that argument is what I'm saying. But maybe we need to look at some of the teams that he's carried there. I yeah, mean, that's fair, that, too. And some that of the teams that he's Cle- played, like you mentioned already. Right. I guess, so there's two teams that didn't belong in the finals, and that was last year's Cavaliers, Cavaliers team, Wow, and the first Cavaliers team that he reached with. Definitely didn't belong in the finals if not for him. And then you I think, think most- last year's Cavs team did? Who in the East would have challenged them? Well, but I'm saying when you look at what they did in the finals, let, to be okay. honest, could last year's Cavs team at full strength maybe have beaten the Warriors? They weren't the oh, Warriors no. just yet. 
I still don't think they would have beat the they Warriors. They probably wouldn't have, but maybe they could have. Maybe, yeah, it would have been. I mean, it was so, more competitive last year than it is this year. So I guess more than, all right, so more than the fact that he, because there's, fine, there's only one team that probably didn't belong in the finals. Just look at the teams he's run into. I, I mean, know. I think that's a very fair point. He's hit some monsters in the finals, come up against some monsters. The other point that I had, um, and this one's probably less fair than the other one, um, <laughs> but I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be the other side there. I always felt like there was like a mental or a psychological edge that guys like Jordan and Kobe Bryant, um, and some of the other guys who won multiple titles had that maybe he doesn't. And I think, I think Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley had it. And I think that's part of why they were able to win in Miami is because he could lean on those guys for that like psychological side of the game. Maybe, but, but I'm, I'm not I mean, like, I don't know LeBron personally. So I, like, I'm no, not really I, in a position to say that. I guess you could be right. If you would have come out and said LeBron doesn't have like the killer instinct, that crap bothers me. Like yeah. LeBron is LeBron has that instinct. He just knows he's at his best when he's not like he was in last year's finals. Like that worked for a little bit. But when, if you go back and watch, it wasn't pretty. LeBron shot awful from yeah, the field. His efficiency was bad. It it wasn't pretty. So maybe. Yeah, I don't really. I'm not for that argument. That's like he should shoot more because I think his game is just to play miss, the game, the complete Le- game. LeBron's uh, latter two years in Miami were my favorite. 2012, 2013, 2013, 2014. He shot the His, three ball he really was incredible. well. Incredible. Yeah. He's just those were my favorite years of LeBron. I miss those. That jump shot seems to have abandoned him now. By the way. It's gone. I mean, it's, it's been crazy since last year. Um, we will end on that note, though. Sorry, LeBron. I don't want to end on your bad jumper, but I'm guessing you probably won't hear this. So, um, oh, he listens. <laughs> he will now. Somebody should tell him about it. Maybe Bino Udri will tell him about it. Um, if you uh, listen to the podcast on iTunes, make sure and give us five stars there. If you listen on Stitcher, make sure and uh, like us there. Um, Subscribe, leave reviews. We we love all that stuff. Thanks for listening. We're gonna try and come back more regularly. This was a long hiatus for we, us. We promise. Yes, I, I like that better. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Andrew D Bailey. Dan is at Dan Favale, F A V A L E. Adam is at Frommel zero nine F R O M A L zero nine. The the whole show is at Hardwood Knox. Uh, maybe we'll get that thing. We'll dust the cobwebs <laughs> off that thing. We um, promise. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, shout out Bina Udri. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Rick, store director from the Mill Valley Safeway. Our pick four sales back with over 100 items to choose from. It's simple. Mix and match any four participating items. That's right, any four. They don't have to be the same, so mix and match away. Here's a few to choose from. Lean Cuisine and Stouffer's Simple Dishes or Signature Classics Entrees, 6 to 13 ounce selected varieties, only $1.77, and Kellogg's Cereal 10 to 12 ounce, $1.69 each when you buy four. Look for the red tags in store. 
This is Rick from the Mill Valley Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.